Hello, it's good to be with you. I hope you're doing okay. So welcome back into the book of Exodus. We have come now to a bit of a crunch point in the journey of the Israelites, their journey between being rescued from slavery in Egypt and getting to the land that God has promised them. It's been quite a journey. They've come to Mount Sinai where God has given Moses his instructions for life God's way, for the building of the tabernacle where God would come and dwell, and for the sacrifices that they would need to make in order to have God come amongst them as his people. Now, in Moses' absence, up the mountain with God for 40 days and nights, the people have disobeyed one of uh, God's key first instructions to them. Uh, they've been worshipping an idol in place of their creator and the king of kings. And that was what Al looked at last week. But today we move on into chapter 33 and really to look at the consequences of this showdown in the desert, if you like. And really this brings us right back again to the heart of God's purposes for his people, who they are and what they're called to do, who, who they're meant to be. And this is, it's two really simple lessons, really basic, but so key for us to have at the heart of who we are. So this is the first thing. The presence of God is our main requirement in, in life. Being with God, doing life with God, it's the greatest need that we have. So let's read Exodus 33, um, starting from verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. This is a big moment for the Israelites. The whole story so far has been about God making a way to be with his people. I hope you remember that. Let's bring you one verse to summarize that, which is chapter 29, verse 46, which says this. I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell amongst them. That was the ultimate prize, God dwelling amongst his people. That's actually what they were made for. And now at this crucial moment, it seems like it's hanging in the balance. God says, and I'm paraphrasing, I've had enough of this. You go up to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. You, will have, you won't have any enemies, I'll get rid of them. You'll have all the provision and wealth that you could possibly want, a land flowing with milk and honey. You'll be comfortable, no need to fight or work too hard to survive, even a bit of supernatural intervention by way of an angel, but you won't get me. And interestingly, amazingly, perhaps, the people are distressed, they mourn, they understand that this is a major problem, that God won't go with them. The thought that he might leave them to it is terrifying. 
and how we too need to be reminded of this lesson. And maybe that's one of the purposes of God in this time of pandemic. For a little while, we've lost some of the things that we used to enjoy. A friend of mine recently described it like when you reduce down a casserole. Now, I have to say that I'm on slightly, slightly shaky ground here in terms of experience. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but my understanding is that the heat kind of removes the excess from the casserole, reduces everything down to the essentials. And... So uh, I guess at this time, lots of the support structures and the peripheral aspects of life have kind of been removed from us. And the question is, what are the essentials that we're left with? The most important thing in life is to have God go with you, is to have God do it with you. This is our incredible privilege as God's people and the source behind every other blessing that we enjoy. But I wonder if sometimes we take it uh, for granted that we are in danger of getting casual because we have so much to enjoy. In danger of shifting our security away from the provider and onto the many blessings that he provides for us. Instead of taking full advantage of walking with our creator, the one who wants to do life with us as we were designed to. There are many good things that God gives us in life. And the mistake is to think that these are ultimately the things that we need or to let them define us. It might be job. It might be a house, a lifestyle, a leisure pursuit, family even. And don't hear what I'm not saying. None of these things are wrong. But the question is, what has really got our attention? What has really got your attention? What is it that gets you through life? What is it that enables you and me really to sit down on the inside? Like the Israelites, we have a desert period, which I believe is helping us with this one just now. They also didn't see it coming. Make no mistake that God is sovereign and allowing this pandemic. Sometimes desert periods take longer than they might, don't they? Because of the way we maybe don't face up to the things that God wants to deal with us. God is with you. He promises to provide for you. He promises that he will never forsake you. He promises that as we delight in him, in fact, he will give us the desires of our heart. He promises that he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He promises that one day there will be no misery, no suffering and no pain. So where are you at on this one right now? Where are you at in your walk with God, in knowing the presence of God, of doing life with God and making that a reality? What is it that you're hoping for right now? If someone were to observe your life or my life, What is it that they would see? What would they see are the priorities? What would they see are the things that define you or define me? I believe that there's something here that needs sorting in the wilderness. And there's also a warning that comes with this. Over in the next chapter, in chapter 34, verse 14, God reveals uh, another name uh, that defines who he is. He says he is jealous. He burns with a jealous love for his people, not because he's angry, but because he is so committed to his covenant. And the Bible says that it's like a husband's love for his wife. 
And you know, the God of Exodus is still our God. He, he hasn't changed. Maybe our danger is different. The danger for the Israelites that they, was that they stayed distant from God because they were afraid of him. I guess our danger maybe is more that we would stay distant because we're comfortable, because we've taken God for granted. Listen to Hebrews 12, one of the number of New Testament passages which refers back to this part of Exodus, this time in the history of God's people. Hebrews 12 says this, you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. And here's the crunch point. Therefore, be careful that you don't refuse or don't miss the one who speaks to you from heaven. The Bible says, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Thankfully, the blood of Jesus covers our sin as we continue to walk with him. But let's not take God for granted. Let's not be so comfortable with the things that he provides for us that we don't enjoy and revel in and make at the center of our identity his presence, being with him, walking with him, doing life with him. I believe that this wilderness moment is a key opportunity for us to draw close again, for us to examine our hearts to confess again that God is our main and our greatest need. To repent of things that have got in the way of our relationship. To confess our apathy, maybe to confess our taking his grace for granted. To worship God again with awe and with an appropriate fear and to pray Moses' prayer in um, verse 13 of chapter 33. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I might know you. Our key thing, the key requirement in life, our greatest need is that we know and we live in the reality of the presence of God, that we do life with him. It's how we were designed and that we don't get distracted unto the many things that he provides for us. How are you doing on this right now? Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing um, is this. The presence of God is really the only thing that will set us apart, that makes us different from anybody else. And now let's read uh, this section of chapter 33 from verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you've found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and may continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Please note, it's the presence of God. It's being in his presence that ultimately gives us the rest that we need. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. So 
This is the second key lesson. Not only is the presence of God our greatest need, but it's also the only thing that sets us apart as God's people. Our purpose is to be full of God's presence, to be full of his spirit. And as we're scattered to the places where God puts us to fill the earth with his glory. Our rescue from slavery was never an end in itself. Nothing else will mark us out, not our behavior, not our ways of doing things, not our gifts and our skills, not our serving or our sacrifice or generosity, not the way we um, contribute to our community. The thing that will make the difference is that we are filled and, and, and know the presence of God with us. We're carriers of his presence. And it's us who have the job of making God visible in our day and in our place. Now, this, it turns out, is pretty shocking. In the bit that continues after what we've just read from verse 18 onwards, Moses asked if God would show him his glory, but he's not actually able to see God. God has to put him, you'll remember, uh, well, you need to read this maybe afterwards, but God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock and covers him with his hand as he passes by. Uh, that's all that Moses was able to see of God. And yet, at the end of 34, we read, chapter 34, we read that Moses was radiant because he'd been with God. Because of what Jesus has done, because of us being filled with his spirit, now we display God in a much greater way than Moses even was able to see of God. That's what the New Testament tells us. So Jesus says to his disciples that unless he goes away, the Holy Spirit can't come to the disciples. This is what he says in John 16, verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And it's important to understand that that second after a little while refers not to Jesus's second coming, but to Pentecost. So that actually it was as Jesus's followers were filled with the Spirit that Jesus once again would be seen on the earth. And so as we are filled with the Spirit, we get to display who God, who God is to the world around us. We get to be carriers of God's glory and God's presence and to bring his life and his presence into every situation and every relationship that God takes us into. It's quite amazing. In fact, this is the reason why God gives us his Holy Spirit, isn't it? Not for our own satisfaction or entertainment, not so that we have a nice time together when we meet but so that his kingdom will come. And maybe this is, again, one of the things that God wants to teach us in this strange time that we're in, as we're not able to gather in the way that we've done for years and years. I want to recommend uh, a book to you about discovering our God-given purposes, which I believe is one of the key things that God wants to call us into in these times, that we understand what it is to be a people who carry the presence of God and what our purpose is in filling the earth with his glory. This is the book. It's by a guy called Gerard, Gerard Kelly, and it's called The Seven Stories That Shape Your Life. Let me quote from it. The Spirit is the one by whom we know right now what it is to do the will of God. Don't jump into your own plans. Let him shape you in his. The Holy Spirit is the one by whom the purposes of God are actualized within you. There's nothing God wants to do in or through you that will not be done through his Spirit. As often as you pray, your will be done on earth as in heaven. You are in fact praying by implication, come Holy Spirit. 
Now, I want to just take you quickly to another New Testament passage that refers back to this section of Exodus um, in the history of the people of God. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says this from verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And I believe these are days in which we need to be praying, God, make us very bold as we're filled with your spirit and understand this role that we have in filling the earth with your presence and your glory. And a couple of the knock-ons from that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. So with all the things that we struggle with and the challenges still, we, because we have grasped what it is to have this privilege of being carriers of the presence of God, we don't lose heart. And verse 7 of chapter 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It doesn't matter who we are. This is not for gifted Christians. This is not for the experienced ones, a special few. It's not for those with positions or roles. This is for every one of us. Every one of us are called to be carriers of the presence of God. Walking with Jesus, filled with his spirit. Jesus gradually transforming us and bringing God's life and his presence to those around us, to anyone that God will bring across our path. And listen, if life is a struggle and you don't feel like you've got it all together, if you're battling or waiting for God, if things seem to be going wrong, well, look, you're in good company, the Apostle Paul says. We're we're jars of clay. We're not much to look at. We're not impressive on the outside, but that is to show that this job that we have to do in the earth is only by God. It's only by his spirit in us. So let's understand that walking with God, being with him, knowing his presence, it's the only thing that will mark us out and will enable us to fulfill the purposes that God has for us in our time and our place. It's the only thing that will make us different from anybody else. So can I encourage us, can I call us to go after God again? I don't know where you are right now in your walk with God or what effect this strange time has had on how you've been, your relationship with God, but let's be those who seek after him knowing that actually it's his presence that is our greatest need, not any of the things that he gives us, and knowing that it's as we're filled with his spirit, as we know his presence, that we get to be carriers uh, of his glory and to bring his life into the situations that we find ourselves in. Every day, Let's be those who pray, Lord, I want to be full of your spirit. I want to seek after you. Let's be those who are hungry to know the presence of God, that we might have our needs met each day that we say, God, fill me, give me what I need today. But also that we say, fill me, God, in the situations and the relationships that you're going to take me into today, will you fill me with your spirit and enable me to display, to radiate in a greater way than Moses did your life and your presence to those around me. I want to finish um, with a poem by Gerard Kelly, the, the guy who wrote the book that I was just recommending. 
Let's just bring ourselves to God again in this moment, shall we? I come seeking certainty. You offer me mercy. I want to know I'm right. You tell me I belong. I pray, God, teach me how to love. You answer me, beloved. I ask you how to change the world. You say to me, be changed. I pester you with lists of all I have to give. Your whisper in my heart responds, receive. Let's be those who receive the spirit of God today. Even right where we are now, let's receive the spirit of God afresh. He's all that we need. He enables us to do what he's called us to do. Nothing else. We lean on him. Lord, fill us with your spirit, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen.